Welcome to the Vertical Software Podcast. I'm your host, Sudan Siva, the head of corporate development of Vogue Software Group, where we buy and hold vertical market software companies across the world. In this podcast, we'll introduce you to owners and operators who run a vertical software business, talk about their story, how they view the market, and the trends that they see. Stay tuned for our next guest on the Vertical Software Podcast. Hey, everyone. Very excited to have Jean, CEO and founder of Thoughts Patrol. And over the past six years, in my opinion, he's built an incredible business tackling a very specific problem, one that you know we all probably have seen, encountered, and likely ignored relating to the safety of children everywhere. And he's previously run businesses in tech and the supply chain space, but this in particular is a very interesting business to me and one that I'm excited to dig deeper into. So welcome to the podcast, John. Uh, why, don't, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, tell me more about your story. Yeah, perfect. I'm Jean Soulier. I'm founder and CEO of Boss Patrol. I was born in Montreal, was raised pretty much across the country. I, I lived half my life in Toronto, um, you know, a quarter of it in Montreal, I spent some time in Vancouver and Halifax. Um, so, you know, coast to coast in Canada. Spent a lot of time working with uh, big tech American companies, so uh, spent a lot of time in the U.S. as well. Um, most of my life has been around technology. So I, I started my career very young in the call center business, um, then moved into um, developing and launching the loyalty program at Shoppers Drug Mart. And from there, moved on to uh, Oracle, um, Web Methods, uh, and, and then NetSuite. My whole career was focused on supply chain logistics and then uh, moved into cloud computing. We took NetSuite public in 2007 um, and I was there until 2010 where, um, you know, really interesting, innovative place to understand the nature and dynamic of how cloud computing was going to evolve, how um, businesses operate. So from there, I, I, I went back in, in, into um, trucking and in supply chain. So I left tech to own a, a small brokerage and my friends told me I was crazy. They're like, what are you doing going into trucking? And the way I described it was like, IT is like the white blood cells uh, of the human body for business. It gives companies the information they need to stay healthy, but transportation logistics is like the red blood cells. Because any products that anyone ever makes have to ultimately get in the hands of this physical person. And so data moves at the speed of light, but trucks move at 60 miles an hour if there's no traffic, right? So, and if you don't understand those limitations, then you can't really truly understand the marriage of technology in the physical world, which is why I did what I did, was to, to really round out my skill set and, and get closer to reality. From there, we, we grew this little brokerage and um, from five people to over 50 and then sold it. And that was kind of my first, you know, oh, I'm an entrepreneur now, right? Like we, we, we did it. And, and in the process, and that's how I kind of like fell into this. I, all I was doing was looking for ways to automate the logistics business, looking at small mom and pop trucking companies and how they were challenged with managing their businesses in this world without necessarily having the tools. And in doing that, we found this like use case in, in, in the States that talk, it was technology that was applied to school buses. When I saw that, I was like, 
do people actually pass stop school buses? That was my first like instinct. I was like, I thought you went straight to hell if you did that. And so I went back to Montreal, a friend of mine who owns a, a school transportation business. I asked him, like, people pass stop school buses? And he was like, yeah, man, it happens all the time. So we said, okay, well, let's test this. So I asked him to ask 15 of his drivers to manually track how many times cars illegally pass them. And I did it in my own neighborhood. Cause we were like, everyone says no one does this like where I live, right? So, so then we, we, we grabbed all that data over a month and the average violations per bus per day in our really rudimentary kind of like, you know, manual survey was almost three violations per bus per day, okay? So to give you some context, there are 50,000 school buses in Canada. In America, there are 500,000 school buses. So you start looking at that per day and you start to see, wow, this is happening like millions of times a year. So then, you know, we went on this, call it exploratory journey where, where we, we took some, some of the tech that we found in the States and we went to North Bay. And in North Bay, this is in like the winter of 2015, we went and we- And for listeners, like give context as to where North Bay is Oh, sorry. In Canada and U.S. I mean, you and I know this, but yeah, no that's very far out there. Yeah, North Bay, Ontario. It's about five, four and a half or five hours north of Toronto. Well, we chose that spot for really two reasons, right? One is like cold, really cold. It was minus 40. We actually waited until we could get like the right climate to test the tech. But also uh, one of the main reasons was um, there's a, a little boy, um, Adam Ranger, who was killed because of one of these violations in 2000. Pierre Ranger, his brother, who's the founder of Let's Remember Adam charity, we wanted to go test this tech in the community where this loss occurred. So we had a lot of support from the, the transportation consortium, so the school bus operating entities um, in, in Northern Ontario. And that's, that's why we did what we did. So we went in there in North Bay and like we rolled up our sleeves, like literally like popped the panels off and wired this bus and like turned it on and the tech did not work. Nothing would boot up. Like I don't think the people who had thought of this tech configuration ever considered what it would be like to run this kind of application in Canada. So we, re we quickly realized that even though the problem had been identified in America, that the solution hadn't been properly designed. So at that point, we, we started, hey, we believe that this is a problem. We actually believe that we can make an impact in Canada. A lot of the backend processing in the application that we saw was really super interesting. So then we thought to ourselves, hey, if we took some of that, that backend processing technology and evolved it and applied our, our know-how around AI, and how we can start to drive automation. And if we built a, a unit that could actually be like an industrial, like aerospace, like grade kind of application and equipment infrastructure that we could put it in any climate. And then we started thinking, wow, we could actually like connect and wire and cloud connect every school bus in the world. So, so that's kind of the place where we, we started with this like really, really huge idea where it's actually becoming reality, which is awesome. That's like, that's the most exciting thing you can do as an entrepreneur is dream big and actually have it happen. So, so that's what we did. So we, we, we went in, we said, we're developing our own, our own tech. We started working with um, engineers in China. Like when it comes to call it surveillance tech, 
comes to cameras, all of that technology, like the Chinese supply chain, they're the leaders in the world because they use this in their day-to-day -day lives, which we've seen examples of during the COVID outbreak. And we see things on the news on how temperature cams are used and all that stuff. So we really focused our, our energies um, with a partner in China. And then we, we started development and, and call it the winter of 2015. A year later, we basically had the most robust hardware spec we could develop with the know-how we had um, at the time. And so we started our adventure and then we started acquiring. So um, we started acquiring IP. We, we bought some of the proprietary technology that was used. And then we started coding on top of it and coding our own algorithms to make sure that we could take AI and embed it in everything we were doing. So that's where Ava was born. Ava, she is our AI engine and she stands for automated violation analysis. So what she does is she uses object recognition to constantly survey the space around the school bus to be able to automatically identify vehicles that illegally pass it. When we're plugged into the school bus, we're, we're plugged into all of the telemetry. So all of the signals that come from the bus, we can capture. So in, in, in the school bus world, when you take your school bus, before you stop, you have to flash your amber lights. And then when your amber lights flash, that's saying, hey guys, I'm about to stop. Then your red lights flash. Your red lights flash and it stops. And then the stop arm comes out. So operationally, the process is, hey guys, I've got this big, huge yellow school bus that is flashing like a Christmas tree, stop, right? Stop arm goes out, cars ignore it. But now I can tell you from an evidence perspective, how many seconds a car had to stop from the time the yellow lights went on, the red lights went on. And then I can start to do predictive analysis through, through AVA to be able to identify and catch these. And, and, and now we've got our, our license plate cameras are like 4K. I can catch a license plate from eight lanes away on the other side of the road. So now we've got this really, you know, interesting tech that catches everyone. And so to, to talk about the uniqueness of school bus versus other automated enforcement technologies that are out there, if you think of a speed camera, right? What you have is you have this use case where your equipment is set. It's physically installed on the side of a highway or a road. And your radar is pointed to where cars are coming to capture their speed. And then your plate capture cameras are pointed to a specific spot on the road ahead where the car has no choice but to drive through. So you're, you're controlling your variables to be able to, to really focus and calibrate your, your camera capture on a very small specific space. So that's easy. A school bus, that school bus stops at least 20 times every direction from home to school or school to home. Now that school bus can stop four feet, five feet, 10 feet from where it stops. There could be variance in where it stops every day just because of like, you know, day-to-day -day traffic and things like that, or just the, the bus driver was a little heavier on the brake that one morning. So that might not seem like a lot when you're on a, a foot difference, but a foot difference eight lanes away from a plate capture and angle perspective makes a tremendous difference. So that's why it, we, we kind of built the killer app because we are completely agnostic to where that bus stops. 
our, our object recognition technology can really grab at like hundreds of vehicles at a time if we want it to, to be able to identify and build these evidence packages. So, so anyways, I'm rambling on on the tech. I do apologize. <laughs> I, I really enjoy what I do and I'm pretty proud of what we built. So, so yeah, so then once we did that, then we had this like great engine and we had to flip the world on its head a little bit because, you know, ask yourself like, you know, why are school buses no different today than they were when we were kids? From the vinyl on the seats to, to the no seat belts, like, it doesn't look different at all. When you sit in your car, though, your car looks a lot different than it did when you were a kid, right? So, yeah. so you're like, okay, so why? Well, the real honest answer is, is that we're not investing in that space. Like there's not enough return on investment. The schools aren't given the money to buy the tech and therefore there's no incentive for companies to innovate to build products to sell to clients without money. So now what you have is you've got this scenario where as a society, we've chosen to make sure the trucks that move the t-shirts we have on our back have more technology than the buses that move the kids that represent our future. And, and that's messed up. It, it's, it's a messed up but logical consequence to the choices we make. So on top of building the killer app, we built the killer program. So because we can actually capture all of these violators, these people who are putting the lives of children at risk, the volume at which we're catching them and the fine revenue that we're creating, we, we've created a mechanism where we've removed risk. So we're saying, hey, school district, city, county, you guys don't need to spend a dollar on this. What we're gonna do is we're gonna build a program where Bus Patrol is going to invest in the infrastructure. We're gonna deploy all that infrastructure for you on 100% of your fleet. We're not just gonna put it on your traffic areas. We're gonna, and, and this is the Canadian in me, right? You know, why do we have cell towers in, in Northern Canada where no one lives? Well, it's because the government said, the CRTC said, you guys, if you want a, a license to our airwaves, you have to build the infrastructure up north, right? Yep. So I'm, what, what we've done is we said, hey, hey, guys, we're imposing that tax on ourselves because I'm never going to stand in front of a mom and say, oh, you know, your kid's bus didn't, doesn't have the tech or didn't have the tech because I couldn't get enough profit out of it. No, that's not how that, that's not how that works. How it works is, is we say 100% of your fleet gets covered because the postal code or zip code of a child should never determine their level of safety, ever. Now we've got this tech on every school bus, which we pay for. And, and now the program revenues are helping fund and operate the program and they get reinvested. And that actually opens up the door to all the other innovations that are possible. So once you have your school bus connected to the cloud with all of the features that are required to build robust evidence packages, well, now you've got like also those same tools can be reused to deliver the internal camera feeds in a more efficient way. So let's talk about that for a sec. So the internal cameras of school buses, that's something that's happened, been happening for a while. In fact, there's, there's a couple of Canadian companies that are, that are you know, leaders in that space, at least until we showed up, right? Because like how people access those videos, schools can't afford the, the cell service. So what do they do? A superintendent gets a call from a mom that says, hey, my kid's being bullied on a bus. Then the call goes to the transportation director who says, hey, I need the video from bus one, two, three. 
transportation director goes to the video to the, to the bus and pulls the hard drive from the recorder. They take the hard drive, plug it into their computer, download the files, and then they start going through the files in order to identify the spot and the time that the bus that that the complaint occurred, and and then they they package that up and then email it to the superintendent, and then the superintendent can use it. Well. That is not just like Blockbuster Video. That's way worse than Blockbuster Video. That's like if Blockbuster Video in the day took all of its, its VHS tapes, put them in a pile in the back, <laughs> and said, hey, go look for that movie you want in that stack over there, right? That's like worse than, than inefficient. What we do is we bring Netflix to the school bus. Because now all of a sudden, you can dial in from the seat and the superintendent can say, hey, can you grab it? And, the, and then the translation director can go on the application and say, bus one, two, three, between two and 215, pull video from cameras four, seven, and eight. And then let me grab that video and automatically send it over to, to the superintendent to be viewed. So in December of this year, we, we started looking at, okay, well, how do we do like temperature management? Because we started seeing a bunch of, of examples on how this tech could be used. So we actually have this unit now where it's, it's this camera, it can read their temperature in less than a second. And you could install wow. right in the stairwell of the bus. So if a kid walks up and they stand for less than one second, we could say, hey, you have a fever, you're not allowed to be on this bus. Right. So, so those are, those are the kinds of innovations that we're now able to bring to the market because we're pushing the envelope on one is how do we apply artificial intelligence to the data that we're capturing in any kind of use case, whether that be finding a violation or addressing bullying in a proactive way or managing safety of ridership. And, and by the way, safety of bus drivers, the average age of a school bus driver is over 60. So they represent a, a very vulnerable uh, part of our population today. And they don't do this job in order to become millionaires because there's not a lot of money in it being a school bus driver. There's a lot of pride in it, which means that you get to contribute back to your community and you get to make a little extra money in your retirement. Like those people need to be taken care of. So now we've got like these tools to be able to, to handle all of those use cases and be proactive about the safety we deliver. And, and safety is not just about tickets. Like safety is about how, how do you plan your routes? You have to choose where you stop, right? And you know what, what yeah. the kid lives in and you know ahead of time, like you get, take all your addresses, plug that into your routing system. Your routing system does all of the automation and says, okay, if I, I have 100,000 kids to move, I need, X amount of buses and here's the routes they take. So, so now imagine overlaying data of violation data on top of that. For everyone talks safety first in the school bus industry and student in the world, everyone says safety first, right? But efficiency, efficiency is that code word for money. It's like, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna talk safety first, but I'm gonna act to be the most efficient as possible, which means spend the least amount of money. What if I told you, Route A costs $10 to run. Route B, well, that one costs $11 to run. What if I told you that to save a dollar, the statistical probability of having stop arm violations in Route A is 50% greater than Route B. So I am going to double the risk for my kids to save a dollar. 
Now I'm putting data on top of things to make people feel guilty about acting in with efficiency first and, and, and get them to, to act safety first. But also on the flip side, I'm also saying, hey, here's a bunch of money to be able to do all this stuff. So it's kind of like the, the nice balanced program that no matter what your political affiliation is, no matter what culture you're from, kids are important to us. I don't care what you think about automated enforcement. If you get a ticket for passing a stop school bus, most people, I'd say 99.9% .9 of people, they hope to grab that ticket and get to it before their spouse does. Because the conversation that's going to come from them knowing that you passed the stop school bus is going to be very uncomfortable. You, you, you're ashamed of it. So that's the other tool we're able to use. So we're able to use data in order to proactively change process in order to make kids safer. But we're also leveraging, you know, human moral code and shame and education. So every video that gets viewed is a chance for us to educate a driver that maybe didn't know or maybe wasn't paying attention. And then we're helping that driver because everyone suffers when a kid gets killed. And then, and by the way, like, you know, you people talk about, well, how many kids are getting killed and what's the data around that stuff? Well, in 2018, during student safety week, one week, there were six kids killed in America, six. And there are another eight put in hospital because of this. And so the consequences because of distracted driving, because of how society has evolved, it's just getting, it's getting greater and greater. But my, all, my answer back is, is always, okay, well, how many is enough? Like, for right. our future, right? One, like, I, I don't want it to be mine. Now we actually have the tools to do it. We've got social acceptance. The National Transportation Safety Board of America two months ago cited bus patrol um, in their report recommending that every state in America enable stop arm enforcement program laws, um, which we help states write. We just actually passed a law in Pennsylvania. The law in New York State was passed in August of last year. We're implementing the first school bus in Ontario um, next week. It's being deployed. And by the way, that school bus consortium that I talked about in Mattawa, Ontario, they're going to get their 15 buses equipped with our stuff. Um, again, at no cost, right? So um, wow. the people who helped us start our company, the people who helped us through through their suffering and loss and pain helped us find a solution to the problem that affected them the most, they're gonna, you know, be the first to get it. So I'm pretty proud of that too. We've just been very, very lucky um, on this uh, adventure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, beyond luck, I think the way you're going at it in terms of solving the problem is very inspiring and, and you know, quite remarkable. Lots to unpack there though. And <laughs> No, no problem at all. I, I want to go at it in a few different ways. The first is kind of your personal evolution as a leader, right? You started off in cloud computing, I believe doing sales type work. Then you started, you know, your own service company in the logistics space. Then you went into, you know, building your own tech company, right? And, and kind of taking that to a whole new level now. Tell me more about your personal evolution and how you've had to change as a person, as a leader throughout this time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great question. So first to talk about how I am like just naturally, I'm naturally curious. 
to give you an example, when I started working at Oracle, um, I was in sales, in inside sales, actually. I was uh, on the phone selling software and, and applications. And so I, I would spend my lunches. I would go to the sales engineering department and I would buy the sales engineers lunch in exchange for them teaching me about system architecture and technology. So we would wipe, we would take dry erase markers on the window um, of the office and then we would start to architect systems and, and I would start to understand how they worked and why they worked that way and, and what the most efficient ways were to design app, applications, whether it be uh, online transaction processing apps or whether it be BI or what the difference was. And so I was always very curious. So from a technical standpoint, I, I became pretty knowledgeable and, and that's been the strength of my ability to sell has always been based in my ability to drive value. And even as a CEO, I'm architecting solutions for clients that now, like right now, like you can talk to student transportation directors who, who know me like personally and who call me up and say, hey, like I've got this application um, that we're thinking of evaluating to help me out with my help. So that's the kind of leader I am. I'm, I'm a doer, right? So I'm gonna, there's nothing I'm, I'm gonna ask my team to do that I'm not myself prepared to do or prepared to learn. So the, the first evolution was I committed myself to learning and that's the most important piece. What, where people kind of fall apart in leadership is, you know, they commit themselves to getting the leadership job. And then once they're there, they use their power in order to, you know, influence. Where, where that, you know, as long as you have leverage, that works. But leverage is one of those fleeting things, right? Like you just can't rely on it. So, so the way I've always done it is, hey, I'm just going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to add as much value as much as I can. And the people that I surround myself with, I'm going to try and help them as much as I can. You know, and, and I had plenty of failures, man. Like, I mean, like some astronomical failures. And I, you know, the, the next thing is when you, when you fall, like, you know, you just get up and that's it. Like I've lost jobs. I've lost money, like lots of it. I, I had a failed marriage. I had all, all of those kind of like call it formative things that, that you would expect to read about in a book, which I'll probably write one day, but it's all of those things I, I was affected by. And then as the world kind of, you know, celebrated me as a, as a really, really good salesperson, which I was, and I was very, very, very successful at it. Then that got away from me. Like the, the sales guy was dead. The leader was, was dead. There was no faith in my ability to actually build a company. So I kind of went, when I went to the, to, to the logistics side of the house and became an entrepreneur, there's a big difference between working for big tech and taking the, the little money you have, betting on a small logistics brokerage, and then working in some small office in a suburb. Like, it's just, it was just a different boat. I, I just loved what I did. So I just rolled up my sleeves. And again, I was curious. I worked hard, surrounded myself with good people. And then from there, the kind of universe opened up and, and through serendipity, uh, I was able to have other opportunities. So, you know, the humility was beaten into me, which is, which is that, that next piece, which is, you know, like I need to, I need to be humble. I'm blessed with the opportunity that's, that's been afforded to me. I'm blessed with the people who have faith and believe in, in my leadership. And then that faith and belief in me is responded to with trust in them. So that, that's the other piece, right? Like if you're gonna be 
innovative, if you're going to be like on the edge and push the envelope, you need to be fast. You can't be fast and micromanage. You can't be fast and be a bottleneck to every decision. You have to trust the people you put in place to do their best. And then when they make mistakes, you have to let them. The only thing you have to be careful of is not to let them make the same mistake twice. Like if there's one place where you kind of have to like be tough, lovingly tough, but tough is don't repeat mistakes. So, so then you've got like this empowered like team and, and you got to think of it like bus patrol, right? So bus patrol just raised $300 million in capital in January. We're going to be on 40,000 buses before the end of the year. We are by far the industry leader. Like we like are monopolizing this industry and we did it, you know, originally like six people who, who were working on the tech and who were designing all this stuff and then hiring like a bunch of people who help us process the evidence and then creating jobs for those people. And so we all trusted each other and we all did it together. And it's so, so great that the people who are here today, like after the cap raise, the people who were there in the beginning, the, the, the real people, the people who drove the most value, because there's people who have come and gone, right? And they had a role. Everyone plays a role in these, in these adventures. And without them, we wouldn't be here, but their value expired. But the people who continuously added value are still here and they're going to enjoy the, the, the success. And, and that I think is so much fun because you kind of look around and we all look at each other like it's kind of incredible, right? And this is something we're going to be able to share with other people about just how awesome it is and how great we feel about it. Totally. Another piece that I wanted to go at is the way you expanded the market. You started off tackling a very specific problem, which was kind of the traffic violation, yeah. right? where cars are passing the bus when they shouldn't. You go from that to talking about temperature reading to talking about bullying, right? And I'm curious to learn what, what else do you have planned? Because I'm sure you won't stop here. <laughs> so tell me more about how you're thinking about or how you thought about expanding the market because i'm sure you don't wake up thinking all these solutions are there right it just comes naturally as you dig deeper into this problem interact more with your customers and realize that you have the technology to address all these different problems so tell me more about your thought process there how you were able to convince yourself your team and then your customers on this ever-growing solution and therefore market i think where you start with all this stuff is the fundamentals. What are we using to collect data? Really like, okay, we have this one use case. What data is required to collect in order to solve for that use case? Now, once you collect that, you have to put things in place. Oh, I need a GPS coordinate. Oh, I need a camera. Oh, I need to move that cam, that, that video clip over a cell network. Oh, some of these school buses aren't in like areas with great cell coverage. Oh, I have to now pro do processing. Where do I process this data? Do I process it on the bus or do I process it in, in the cloud in my backend servers? And then what is my processing capability on the bus? Can I even physically do it? So you, you kind of struggle at first with all of the, call it the, the laws of physics, right? Like th those are the things you just have to acknowledge exist and then you start there. Then once you start collecting your data, you look at the nature of the data you have. 
And then the, the additional use cases just kind of magically present themselves, right? So now we've got, we capture video, we capture video on the bus, we capture video um, looking out of the bus, and, and we also have microphones inside the bus. So I was thinking to myself, hey, hold on a second. Now we've got this cloud connected safety camera and it's used to be able to track bullying, right? So if someone complains about bullying, then we can go find maybe an event that proves that the kid was bullied. Interesting stuff. You know what it takes for a kid to complain to their parents about being bullied? How, how many times do you think a kid has to be bullied before they raise their hand, if at all? And then you start to look at human behavior and human behavior and, and, and especially of vulnerable kids were being picked on for things they don't control. And, and now you start to think to yourself, okay, like, and when you see videos too, like when you help school districts tackle these problems, like they become really, you become emotionally invested in it, right? So, so at that point, like you think, I need to stop this. Like this kid's been bullied for like three years. Like I, I need to, why did he have to go through that for three years? So, so now we got microphones on the bus. What if those microphones and Ava could listen to words and phrases on the bus and identify words and phrases that were consistent with bullying so that we could proactively go and see what's going on on that bus without the kid ever raising their hand? Like that's cool stuff. That's, that's preventing three years of psychological abuse to a kid. So, so now we think where we go back to that, real, that process Okay, what data do I need to collect? Where do I need it processed? And this is where tech is evolving in, in vehicles, right? So in order to process it, right now the answer is I don't have the overhead or the processing capabilities on the bus to be able to proactively monitor that kind of volume of, of, of voice data. Like it's just, it's, it's physically impossible to do. Could I do it in my backend servers? Yeah. But in order to do that, that means I have to continuously stream large volumes of data over a cell network into a processor to catch, like that's not practical either. You can't, it's, it's expensive, it, it's hard to do. It's a, so, so now that pushes the boundaries of how do we develop more edge computing capabilities? So where are we, how can we move processing from the backend server to the bus itself? And then we start to design ways to make get, increase our overhead. How do we become more efficient? And then when you start to see what's required to solve the use case and you put enough energy and enough, you know, know-how and creativity and you just keep grinding it out, eventually you come up with the solution. And that is how you, you evolve. You, you collect data, use it for the use case, look for alternative ways to use that data identify your limitations in solving for that use case and then design ways around it and wash rinse repeat right you just keep doing that over and over again and eventually you become what bus patrol is the leader of its industry amazing amazing what's the conversation like with customers now like you're, you're not just pitching i don't want to call it simple but you know relatively you know constructed mechanism within a bus solving safety bullying all these different social causes like how, how do you how do you think about pitching it to school districts to municipalities and, and you know other you know technology companies or you know even automotive manufacturers so start with focus on your strengths right where, where you came from and our, our core killer app is our enforcement tech the challenge we have in communicating our value proposition to our market is our market is is not one 
entity, right? It's like schools control the access to the school bus and they're responsible for managing the safety of the kids. The city or county has the responsibility to enforce the laws on its territory and it also controls all the money associated with tickets. And then law enforcement who, who aren't responsible for anything monetary, they're a service to the city. They're not only there for school children's safety, although that's part of their mandate, they are, they're there for the safety and security of everyone, right? So now what you have to do is you have to, first, you do a lot of education. And depending on where you are, typically you start with schools where you talk to them, but hey, you still manually pull hard drives, right? Like the first question is I start, I start with where they're suffering, which I know they don't need to suffer anymore. And then it becomes really easy to talk to about their tech problems. You know, another good example of how I relate to schools is parent apps, right? How do I track my bus? Everyone gets Uber Eats now and they sit there and look at their screen until their hamburger shows up, right? And then, so you're used to, you order pizza and you see the little man making it. And then all of a sudden it says it's delivered and ding dong, your, your doorbell rings. So um, technology has reset expectations for consumers about the ability for them to have transparency in what they're doing. Right? Like that's just, everyone expects it. So they think it's easy for school bus to track your school bus. So, Hey, why don't I have an app where I can look at my school bus and I can see my kid on, I can see what bus my kid is on and I can actually physically track it on its way to school. So I know that they're safe. Totally. Seems reasonable, right? Well, now what I want you to do is I want you to take a thousand buses and those thousand buses need a thousand bus drivers. And now I want you to wake up one morning and I want you to have a hundred of them not show up. So how, what do you do? You start to consolidate routes. You start to move things around. And in order for an app to report data accurately, well, you need to match the bus to the driver to the bus, the bus to the route and the kid to the bus. The minute you move one of those variables. So let's just say I've got the kid, I've got the bus, but I don't have the route, then, then that means that, oh, my, my parent could be looking at another bus on a very different route. And then all of a sudden the data that they're consuming is dirty or false or wrong. And then it becomes unreliable. And then instinctively unreliable data becomes unused and user adoption dies and parent apps go, go away and they're useless. And the school district is useless for providing bad tech because it should be simple. Well, it's not. And people don't understand that it's not simple. So what do I do? I, I tell school districts that I understand that it's not simple. Right? I know that their job is hard. For, for me, the most impassioned conversation I can have is the one with schools because I can really empathize with how they're feeling and what they're dealing with and, and the tools they have to do it. So, and then from there, then, then it's, it's with the cities and counties. So then that discussion, I would say is, is, is much more kind of business driven, right? Like they've, they have very strict processes and protocols and procurement rules and, and things that guide how government spends taxpayer dollars. So those discussions are always around risk. They're always around managing the program and the costs of it, both political, um, operational, administrative. You know, what, how is it going to impact my court services? Okay, you're going to issue 100,000 tickets. Does that mean my courts are going to be flooded? 
Do I even have the staff to do things like that? So that's when you start to educate them on automation. You start to educate them on a lot of the manual processes that government have in place. Like there's a lot of paper processes, um, swivel chair integration. The government space is a space that, you know, given the opportunity, I could automate the crap out of it. Like, like seriously, like we could really make the government more efficient um, in a lot of areas. And that's another development path for us. Cause as we start to automate transactions for government, then we also show them how we do it. How do we make sure that when we create a ticket in our system, that that ticket shows up in the, the county's finance system that the police system that actually scans the license plate and sees, hey, this ticket hasn't been paid. I need to pull this guy over. He shouldn't be driving, you know, or the court system that is actually, you know, adjudicating some of the contestations around that. Like that's all integration problems. And, you know, thankfully I spent a, a good amount of time at Web Methods managing all of the integration flows of, of systems and data and how they apply to process. So, so now I, I come in with that kind of, hey guys, you can do social good in your city or county. You can do it without putting the, the law-abiding taxpayer at risk, and you can do it without taxing your resources. So that covers kind of the county side of things. Then what's law enforcement? So law enforcement, then you, you always base yourself in the reality of the person that you're talking to. So how do they manage these problems? They get complaints. School districts will call police and say, hey, this stop, it constantly gets violated. My driver's losing their mind. People don't even appreciate the drivers in this problem. So picture this, you're driving a bunch of kids that you you love, like you, they're great kids. Like we've all had a great story about an awesome bus driver, right? So now that bus driver is sitting there, they open the door, they let the kid out and they see that the car is not gonna stop. Like they have their voice and they have their horn, but I want you to put yourself in that seat and I want you to ask yourself, how fast is your heart beating in that moment? And then I want you to ask yourself, is that a fair working condition for those people? So, so, so now we're like, you know, thinking of their spot in all of this. So now I, I, I'm, I'm bus drivers complain to police, police, what do they do? Oh, the bus driver wrote down the plate number. Then they go and they, and they follow up with, with the driver. They write affidavits with the bus driver. It's really like manual process. A charge is laid. Then the bus driver gets called to go testify. The police officer goes and there, the guy hires or gal hires a lawyer. And that lawyer kicks the crap out of the bus driver. Hey, how do you know it was that car? You know, show, show me your latest eye test. How fast is the car going? 50 miles an hour? How is it possible for you to ensure that you actually captured the right plate? How do you know that that is my car? And then their bus drivers, like they've never been berated like that in court. And then they lose, they get discouraged. And all of a sudden, their whole complaint goes away. The police they feel is ineffective. And now you've just created a scenario that discourages people from acting in the, in the best interest of child safety. So, so I go to police and say, hey guys, you live this, you felt it, you've been there. Let me show you how I can actually automate this process and take some of that crap away from you. And then when they see that, you know, there's a bunch of police officers on desk, desk duty that can do the review and they don't have to do any evidence gathering. Like all we, we prepare everything. They click yes or no, review a video. Did it happen? Yes or no. So in educating police on the value and how we can use their time to do more valuable things to community, spend less resources on this and more on other things, which I think is, is you know, socially so important because police officers 
do a tremendous service to our communities. And right now they're under attack for, for some very valid reasons and some social awakening that's going on. But notwithstanding, I've, I, I can tell you in working with police officers every day that they really do care about the, the people in, in their communities. So if I can remove some of the administrative tasks from them so that they can go do really cool things like show up and, and interact with their community in positive ways, which I think is what everyone needs, then, then we'll, we'll be helping in that way too. So now we've kind of got all of those pillars covered in educating them on the value of our programs. And, and then it's about partnership. And that partnership is super important because we can't run effective programs without the schools helping us maintain these systems, right? We can't run effective programs without it, constant interaction with police to make sure that the evidence we're, we're uh, presenting them is satisfactory. And then all on the finance side, we have to provide data transparency to government to make sure that they can prove to their citizens that these programs are reductionary in nature. Like we're not, this isn't a money grab. This is actually a safety enhancement program. And here's the data that supports that. But yeah, that, that's how we go about educating our market. And then once we have that, call it deep partnership, then all of the other conversations that evolve from there are, are based on the foundation of a trusted relationship which allows us to be as creative to solving new use cases as possible. Got it. And I think that's a great place to wrap up. I mean, I'm personally very excited with the way you've managed to work with pretty much every department, every sector within the public government and really create measurable change in a lot of communities across North America and hopefully the world. And I think that that to me is, is super exciting, very inspiring. And so, John, I you know, really appreciate you coming on to the podcast today. I think, you know, the passion is evident. Uh, the results are there as well. And really looking forward to where you take bus patrol and the problems that you're trying to solve and are solving next. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I always appreciate being able to share our story and educate people on what's possible. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you. You've been listening to the Vertical Software Podcast. Make sure to rate and subscribe our show to stay up to date on future episodes of the Vertical Software Podcast. Thanks again and talk to you next week.